Hello and welcome to England Cricket on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. I'm Daniel Norcross from BBC's Test Match Special and um, a variety of dwindling outlets that <laughs> become less and less popular. And Are we talking about Zero Ducks Given? I am joined. Yeah, although we're, look, we're number one in the Philippines, Belgium, Italy and Luxembourg. So, you know, at least we know where the person who listens to us is going on their holidays. Rory Dollard is with me yet again, the Puff Pastry Hangman. He is the chief writer of the uh, Cricket Writer of the Press Association. It's lovely to have you with me. Lovely to be here on the uh, eve of a World Cup semi-final. I know. It's barely possible to believe that um, that Pakistan are in those semi-finals and we'll come on to maybe that and other things shortly. England Cricket on 99.94 is your new home for England Cricket content and we will be dropping into your podcast feed and on YouTube or the 99.94 app several times every week. So please do rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for joining Cricket's conversation. Today, we are going to talk about Essentially, a massive injury news that's breaking across both camps about the pitches and what kind of a state they are currently in. They are getting all a little bit spooky. And then what does this mean for how England and India are going to line up on that fateful day in Adelaide? Rory, let's begin with the injury news. Fill us in, Captain Scoop. Oh, well, my my colleague... I'm reading my colleague David Charlesworth's uh, information on this because he is the man at the ground. Mark Wood, we 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 were thinking, of course, that that David Milan was going to be the willy won't he, should he, shouldn't he, may he, might he question, and that and and one of those questions is quite enough on a semi final. Uh, but Mark Wood pulled up, it appears, running running in training, uh, didn't didn't play his part uh, with the ball, and it comes back. I don't know, it comes back a little bit, doesn't it, to conversation we had a little bit earlier where I, you know, raised questions over Wood's return to the side and the fact that he has been ruled out pretty regularly doing something that every time Mark Wood balls the ball, it looks fairly traumatic, doesn't it? It's a, it's not a Joffre Archer, actually. He's putting a hell of a lot through his body every single time. He missed six months. Uh, of, of, of the seat didn't play in the English summer at all and just when it's getting to the tasty bit he's got an injury doubt now we don't know it could be settled really early it could be just a little twinge a bit of cotton wool you know and, and it could be nothing but with Mark Wood with his injury problems you do have that little concern in the back of your mind don't you you always do and, and the thing is you and I both um, have been up close and personal with Mark Wood I don't know don't mean any kind of saucy way but um, close enough More's to pissy, him yeah. to recognise that when he's not, he's not a great big strapping fast bowler. And people who watch on uh, will think, well, Josh Hayeswood, he looks quite big. When you get up close to Josh Hayeswood, he's not just big, he's colossal. He is broad, <laughs> he's wide, he's massive, he's just, he's huger than you could possibly imagine. And then when you're up close to Mark Wood, and also Mitchell Johnson, for that matter, it's kind of staggering how slight they are of build. And he's been bowling at 155 kilometers an hour at various points in this World Cup. So how does he do that? And how does he do that? Probably by defying the laws of biomechanics. And if you do that, 
then I dare say things might go wrong. And we've we just not got to get, I say, and we've got to get used to it. I think we are used to it by now, aren't we? It's just, it's, you know, any ball you get from Mark Wood is a beautiful ball to watch and we should enjoy it while we see it. it, it yeah, we are at the stage of enjoy every ball with Mark Wood for sure. But, uh, you know, we don't know if he's going to play. It could be, this could be an irrelevant chat in some respect, but I suppose it is worth asking just briefly of, of ourselves if Mark Wood didn't play, if he was ruled out for whatever reason, uh, and England's caution over him extended as far as that, what what, do, what might they do with the team? Um, it is. The obvious replacement would probably be Chris Jordan because he actually solves a problem that England currently have, which is that um, expertly, as Joss Butler has managed his bowlers at the power play and the death in the absence of Reese Topley, they didn't replace Reese Topley with a death bowler or... I mean, he's not really a power play bowler, Chris Jordan, but they can manage the power play. They're struggling to manage the death. So bringing Chris Jordan in would be the obvious solution. Also, I think because the semi-final they're playing is at Adelaide, that just with the shorter square boundaries would mitigate against, I don't know, maybe against the... the I mean, Liam Dawson... In that situation, oh. it's, look, it's an idea. It's an idea. Say, can you hit Dorse long and straight? I don't know. But I would be, I would be erring on the side of Chris Jordan bowling full wide Yorkers, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I would. I was gonna, I was gonna try and throw Dorse that you as a complete wild card, but you, you beat me to it. Uh, you got a wild card in your top pocket, not for the first time. <laughs> um, and actually, I, I wondered if, if Dawson, I, I don't think, I think this is a counterfactual that we'll never, in all likelihood, we'll never have to stand by this uh, conversation because I don't think Liam Dawson's going to play. But I wondered if he might be a real surprise move to pull in the power play. Like, because we talked before about how the power players have been so important to getting teams up and running, to... Uh, sort of establishing a, a bit of a, a base and a buffer to work from when things get harder. And I just thought the last thing Hindi would probably expect of England is for them to open with a spinner. And England's best power play spinner is Liam Dawson. So, you know, that would be a real gamble. I mean, I'd love, I'd love to see a gamble like that because that is proper wild stuff. But I mean, listen, Chris Jordan. It's, I, 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 I like that too. I like that too, but... You know, I think you might be up against a situation that's occurred in the India camp because let's look at the round of injuries. Rohit Sharma. If Rohit Sharma doesn't play, who do India bring in? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they went for Rishabh Punt at the top of the order. Mm. Bang him straight in as an opener, at which point Liam Dawson's in big trouble because you do not <laughs> want a matchup of Liam Dawson against Rishabh Punt with a new ball and the field up, do you? No, but this is interesting, isn't it? Because uh, the injury issues, as you mentioned, Sharma with a bit of a blow in the nets, I think. Um, I suppose they, they, they've introduced an element of second guessing because in all likelihood, the two teams were, were pretty fixed if everyone was fit. Not too much debate to be had, I don't think. And the the possibility of injuries to important players ha has maybe introduced a little bit of wargaming when they're putting the team together, it's sort of, I don't know, like a Ryder Cup style, working out your pairings because you think that their pairings might be what you predict 
So it's, I don't know, it's added you know, an extra wrinkle. Ordinarily, ordinarily, Rory, I, I absolutely refuse to allow golf references to happen while we talk about cricket. Yep. But on this rare occasion, I've it is acceptable in. because the, the Ryder Cup is the only version of golf that is an acceptable version of golf. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's interesting. But on Jordan, if he if he was to sneak into the team, there'd be two things to that, wouldn't there? One, he'd be coming in 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 very almost certainly to ball death in a semi final. Well, that kind of feels like his uh, against his India <laughs> problem to to exercise, and I don't know. That feels. That feels like if he was given the chance to do that, it would it would it really is double or quits for CJ if he if he was to get to ball death in the World Cup semi final. Uh, two it massively helps England's fielding if he plays, and and three, you know he's the um, top wicket taker for England in all T20s against India. Did you know that? It doesn't surprise me. Got eighteen. Does not surprise me. Got eighteen wickets against India in T20s, and his nearest uh, England rival has seven. So. Interesting. Stephen Finn. <laughs> not, not Stephen Finn, I don't think, is it? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Never heard of that fellow, actually. Um, not <laughs> to stop playing for England. Um, but, but also, and I don't know if this is relevant at all. Probably not. But he, uh, in, the, in, the, in the last series, India versus England uh, in the summer, in the first two games, uh, Jordan dismissed uh, Surya Kumar Yadav twice. Uh, for not amazing scores. And that's probably a big part of their uh, chart about what they're planning out, how they're going to go about sorting him out. Well, do you know, we're going to look at how the two sides are going to face up against each other. But are, are there any other injury doubts or are we done? Just, just Milan, but, but the, the, word appear, the word appears to be from, from England Towers that Milan thinks he might be okay and England... England think he might not be. <laughs> so uh Phil Salt seems to seems to be standing by waiting for that call. It, it, that you know the, the thought that we were talking about plugging him into the side as a wild card appears to be getting a bit of traction, yeah. Well, yeah, that would be the obvious replacement, I imagine. And it would probably please those people who are frustrated by having Stokes and Milan at three and mm-hmm. four, which appears to be a trope that's going on in a kind of strangely different way throughout this World Cup. Like some Bavuma, Aaron Finch. There's all sorts of people who are under pressure at the top of the order. Now, we're going to have a short break. After that, we're going to discuss the changing nature of these Australian pitches. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Now, I've been out here for a while, Rory, and I saw some pretty decent pitches, some pretty cracking pitches, some lovely true pitches, despite the weather. And the weather has not been great in Australia, as everybody's well aware. But just in the last few matches, I've started to see things getting predictably difficult, by which I mean the new ball, it's coming on, 
it's going some. Once you get to seven or eight overs, you don't get anywhere. You look at the Netherlands against South Africa, for example. That victory was really based on them managing with some aggression, decent power play, and then making their way to 150-odd, which was just too much for South Africa to, to chase down. I say even against the Netherlands bowling attack, in part because I think Netherlands played a, a canny game. England against Sri Lanka, one of the more bizarre games of cricket I've ever seen. Both sides were dominant with the bat in the first seven overs. And in many ways, Rashid, uh, Adil Rashid has a, a claim to being man of the match for, the, for simply the fifth over. That over in the power play that only went for two or three runs. That was probably the difference between the two teams in many ways. Because in every other respect, the, the match panned out almost identically. Easy to hit as the ball came on. The ball got softer. The pitch, the, the grabbiness of the pitch combined with the softness of the ball made it really problematic. And now I'm starting to look around and think what kind of bowling attacks are best suited to that. And I think New Zealand, for example, are not best suited to that. I don't think it doesn't feel like a, a sort of Southey, Bolt, Lockie Ferguson, Santner kind of environment. They're, I think, a bit better on good pitches and they have their own particular skills, swing, control, flat darts. What I'm looking at is someone like Pakistan, where you've got four express paces, two flat, nasty, annoying spinners, getting a little bit out of a dusty surface, extreme pace, bit of spin. With that in mind, what do you think England are thinking? What is their best lineup? Because all the pitches are used. The two semi-final pitches are going to be used, pitches. And the final, if it goes ahead, the weather forecast is very poor, is used as well. I think the used pitches thing, and that's where we need to get to, really. Like that's that's sort of the 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 debating point between the it never used to be, I don't know, it's got a bit mainstream used pitch chat. It used to be just for the nerds. And now it's like everyone, <laughs> everyone knows that a used pitch is an absolute disgrace. Now, it's to be the third game. Uh, on this pitch, won't it the semi-final? Which I think is, I think that's a surprise, isn't it? That they would use a, a pitch that has already hosted a double header for a semi-final. Uh, it's only one day's cricket, though, isn't it? It is, yeah. But, but as you've said, with the pitches sort of deteriorating a little bit and, and getting a bit, a little bit slow already, having had two pitches, two games through it, could be an issue. I don't really. I think the question is really which team will play better on it, not what team will they pick? Because I think England, having went with, having gone with the same team throughout and, and, and directly avoided making changes, they'll stick as close to that as they can. Now, whether they have to move Wood on because of fitness, that's, that'll be enforced. But I, you know, I don't think they're in the mind to get to a semi-final and rip up the playbook because the underfoot surface isn't quite what they were hoping. I think they're sort of wedded for better or worse to the, the balance they've picked. I don't get the impression Wokes is really under pressure um, for his place. Uh, and that'd be the, <laughs> sorry about this sun on my face. Don't know where that's come from. Uh, Wokes doesn't seem to be under pressure, <laughs> really. 
and that'd be the only way that they could make the change. And and the change that they, as as we sort of alluded to in the first part, the really the really ballsy change would be to look at sorry, <laughs> would be to look at Dawson and say, is that the way to? Is that the so, way I'm to sorry, Rory. I'm sorry, Rory. <laughs> You 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 you've just suddenly turned into some kind of Doctor Who creature. <laughs> worst worst reboot ever. That no, I I I see exactly what you mean, Reed Dawson. I totally get that. Um, I'm not quite so sure myself. I think you just stick to the plan at this stage. You got a team that knows its roles. They know what it is that they're going to be doing. I think Jordan coming in for Wood is is not the worst thing in the world. Um. Wood himself, he's been taking wickets, of course he has, but as, I don't know, I, I think he's also a danger. If you put him up against India, when do you bowl him? I think Wood against Surya Kumar Yadav could go a long distance. It doesn't matter that he's taken his wicket before. The way that guy is playing right now, it's um, the, the more pace there is on the ball, the further the ball's going to go. And I quite like the stylings of of Jordan in that situation. I am slightly concerned, though, that at just the moment when England might need to have the two anchors that we've been thinking they don't need, they've suddenly lost one. And I was in a pub the other day watching Sri Lanka against England. And when David Milan went off with a groin injury, a bunch of England fans started cheering. And I thought, yes, I know why you're cheering. It was uncharitable, but they were, they were, knew their cricket, and they thought that England had, had listened to us. Actually, Rory, and they thought <laughs> two anchors is one too many. <laughs> but <laughs> they, uh, they, they may have felt like that then. But I think under the circumstances that England find themselves playing, and looking at the way Ben Stokes and how he batted against Sri Lanka, how important that innings was. Maybe it's a 150, 155 defend that we're looking at on these pitches. So if England do need someone to be that guy, now Butler might bat through in innings and get 100. That's that's very, he does that occasionally. Um, Hales isn't going to be that guy. Salt's not going to be that guy. Moyne and Livingston do different things. If England need someone to step up and sort of be the second foundation player and the second sort of guy to, to carry the water. It's got to be Harry Brook, hasn't it? That, that if, if, if anybody, if, if they need someone to nudge them to the, to the right number, Brook might have to read the room there and that might be the job. And he's not been in super form, obviously played very well in Pakistan, but he does have a, a range of scoring shots and, and an ability to, to score in different, parts of the pitch off different types of bowlers without going sort of sixth gear. So yeah, if if that's the if that's the play, it might be a pretty a pretty sort of sharp handbrake turn for, for Harry Brook in how he goes about seeing his place in that team. You are asking him to do something that he really is not designed or created to do very early on in his career. I I I, I know exactly what you're saying there. I actually think a better option up there doing that would be Sam Curran. I think he's got the, I think he's got the smartest, the most manipulable 
cricket brain in that side. And if you need it, as you saw against Sri Lanka, I mean, he didn't quite get it right. He got out, if you recall, to that top-edged hook. But what he did before that was play the situation and try to score a run of all. And Livingston's never going to do that. Livingston will walk out, puff his chest out, doesn't matter. He could be playing on a raging turner at Ahmedabad and he'll still try and pump the ball over deep extra cover for six when it's completely impossible because his ego completely demands it. Whereas Curran will not do that. So, I don't know. We, we will see. We will see. Um, it's time for us to take our second break, after which we're going to discuss how does England beat the mighty India. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. So, when I said, how do we beat the mighty India? What I mean is, let's break India down. What have they got, Rory? Um, they might not have Rohit Sharma, but what they do have coming into this semi-final is a pretty fixed way of playing and the most standout player of the tournament for me with the bat that we have seen. It's not through weight of runs, it's really through strike rate and it's through just using your eyes. If you just open your eyes and look at Surya Kumar Yadav, have you seen anything like that? Have you seen anything like what he did against Richard Ngarava the other day? Absolutely staggering. And Ngarava wasn't doing anything too wrong. He was taking a ball so far wide of the off stump and Sky was hitting it so far over deep backward square leg, it was unbelievable. So, what do England do? Do they try to just keep the top three in so that Sky only faces four or five balls at the end? Is the perfect situation for England that there are India 148 for two? It's, uh, if, if, if we get to a point where, let's say Rohit Sharma plays, if it gets to a point where keeping Rohit Sharma, Kale Rahul and Virat Kohli at the crease is a game plan, <laughs> then you might you might be needing snookers, eh? <laughs> it it, I think I think more like more likely what England probably need to do is get him in in the power play, mm. and and because he I saw him talking the other day about how his mission statement is to is to dominate over seven to fifteen where where bowlers tend to get tend to get on top again after after the power play and before the death. He, he sort of said that's where they that's where bowlers want to be on top. So that's where that's where I want to upend expectations Dominate. and maybe that that's the well that's the advantage. If you can if you can get 10 or 15, 20% ahead of the thing yeah. of the moment where you think the opposition should be dictating the pace, that can really decide the game. So actually is it is the strategy to try and minimise how long Sky is at the crease? Is that a valid plan? Not really, because it could be the path to ruin. Is the idea, and this is revolutionary, isn't it? Try and take some wickets quickly. That seems like a really revolutionary idea that I've just pitched. <laughs> but 
but get him in super early and say to him, never mind, dominate over seven to 15. Let's see if you can reach over seven. Got a bit to do. So that's where England have to be absolutely on the money in that power play. And it, and it really, they've used various combinations in the power play in this tournament. They've used different bowlers up there and different kinds of bowlers. That has got to be, I think, the overwhelming part of the strategizing. Because I think the batting will, batting strategy should sort itself. The nature of the pitch should tell them, and, and whether they bat first or second, should tell them what they're looking at there. Bowling, they've got to have some super plans and some super strict adherence to them because that seems to be their route to win that game, doesn't it? The, the, the six overs where India batting at the top. I I think so. I think so. I mean, I'm also looking at the, at the way India's bowlers set up and without Bumrah, there's something a bit less scary actually about India's bowling lineup, especially on the pitches that we've seen. So swing bowling has not been quite as effective. Um, partly, I don't know, it's a pitch, it's a weather, I don't know. It might be a little bit about the weather, the time of year. So Bhuvaneshwar, I don't know if he's quite the same force in these conditions. Could be entirely different on the day in Adelaide, of course. Um, Shami, he's a kind of late returner into that bowling lineup. Arshdeep, I've got an enormous amount of time for. But you can see Hardik as a guy that England aren't going to fear and could take down, um, although despite the change-ups. The Indian bowling attack is not the thing that I would have imagined would scaring. In many ways, the Pakistan bowling attack is, is a little bit more alarming. You know, with I've, the variety I've got say, that they have, just, the pace that they have. I know that the uh, some of these numbers were, were sort of put together when the pitches were playing slightly differently, but... But Bhuvaneshwar Kumar's going at 5.4 and over economy rate and Shami's going at 6.11. Like, they are canny, canny operators. And I actually I actually look at those two and think, oh, they, they could really be nasty. If, if, if the pitch isn't absolutely true and there's just a little bit to prize out of it, they look pretty, they look pretty well, well set to do that. Uh, to me, and they, and they they have got their got their foothold in this tournament. The pair of them have have come out with some nice economy rates, and they've settled into a groove. Um, Aksar Patel's an interesting one, isn't it? He 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 had the time of his life against England in the Test series, uh, where they played on spinning tops, and and genuinely, like when he when he retires and tells the grandkids about his life in cricket. Most of those war stories are going to involve bowling at England in our Medabat. And um, so he's, you know, he, he has probably some good feelings about, about England, but he's not, he hasn't really found his way into the, the tournament, has he? he, he and and whether, whether England are looking at him as someone who they could get stuck into, I don't know. He's just looking, his economy rate is 9.1, worst in the team. So. Yeah, Ashwin. Then, then you got Ashwin, the old, the old stager who loves nothing more than ruining an English party. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just maintained, and I think really what England's major concern is going to be is India's batting. I mean, you can see India taking England for two hundred if things don't go right. No Topley, no Wood, 
a rusty Jordan. Woke's not quite on it. Stokes following in the power play. That would be that would be where well, I would be more concerned. And, and, and then, another, and then another you possible get a crapshoot. Another possible worry is Curran has been such a safe pair of hands and such a a, a top performer. Do the dimensions in Adelaide and the short square boundaries? Does that really get into his head on that short stuff he's been bowling? Because he's he's had a lot of success with his sort of I don't know what you, it's not a slow bouncer, but it's a surprise bouncer that you don't see coming or you don't expect. And he's he's had a lot of uh, success with that. Now, if you drag those square boundaries in, you could suddenly find that you don't have to be right on top of that to get six for it. And I think if Sam Curran starts to second guess his bouncer, his effectiveness could could dwindle as well in, in those circumstances. Look, we're going to find out shortly enough. The, the match takes place on Thursday and the winners of it are going to play Pakistan or New Zealand. So my final question to you before we leave, um, who do we want to play if they make it through to a final? Bristic to even suggest such a thing when they're taking yeah. on the might of India and they've got through to final at a packed MCG or Pakistan in a rerun of the 1992 World Cup final when the caged tigers came from nowhere. Who 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 do England want? Well, you know, no nothing more certain that they won't be they won't be having this conversation in their own head because just getting there is is the only thing that matters to them. I think as England attempt to unify the white ball titles, I think, I think New Zealand super over. Well, I don't think there's any England fan would like more than to inflict a technical knockout on New Zealand once again, because listening to their fans' perplexed whinings about it has warmed the cockles of England fans' hearts for the last three years. Anyway, thank you for listening to England Cricket on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Norcross Cricket, as in neither angry nor cross, even though I have been quite angry about the time that bars close in Sydney. It's unbelievable. 9.30. Would you believe it? And Rory, yours? At the RVD, always and forever. Always and forever. You should kiss the badge, I think, when you say that. <laughs> Never miss out. Join our 24-7 conversation on social media. Follow us at 9994DM. Cricket, every day, your way. Goodbye.